Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time. My name is Gary Fowler. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. I've been involved in 17 startups and two unicorns. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also EVA.ai, an AI etcher tech company that I formed with Dr. David Yang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, and opportunities are not. I'm the CEO, president, and co-founder of GSD Get Shit Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley. And with that, I have an incredible guest today, James Mister, who's going to be talking about Bavaria and some of the things that uh, he's doing from the Economic Council. Also, the journey that he's taken as an entrepreneur, as an investor, and what the importance of technology ecosystems are in the U.S., uh, Germany, the digital transformation, and the EU. So with that, I'd like to bring James on board. James, how are you doing today? Hi, Gary. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, so uh, I have everyone a question hear me all right? I yeah. hear you perfectly. How in the world did you go to Princeton University? What did you do? Like, oh. did you, how did you decide on Princeton? Oh, well, I think I think it's a combination of things, but the two most important things is to go to a feeder school. So I went to a, um, a college prep program that, of course, had kids that got into Princeton every year. So it was a known entity. And the second thing is to apply early, I think, and show a clear interest that it's the only school. I think in most things, whether it's university or a job, you always tailor your your offer, your resume to make it seem like they're the only the only and best suited uh, institution for you. Wow, that's great. And are you, where are you originally from? Are you from Germany originally? Where are you from? No, I'm originally from Chicago, actually. I'm from the Midwest and I studied on the East Coast. I lived in Germany for nearly seven years and, and in Switzerland. And then I moved to the US uh, five and a half years ago. So I've come around quite a lot, five countries in which I've lived, three in which I've studied. And um, that's how I came to work now for the Bavarian government here in Silicon Valley. Oh my Valley. God, that's amazing. That's a yeah. great journey. Wow. Yeah. And I heard you speak in German. So you were actually, you sounded, I, I don't know German. I know Russian. Yeah. When we first met, actually, yeah, we were we were actually greeting each other in Russian because I also speak a little Rush, Russian as well. Um, I might take up Ukrainian um, at the moment, uh, given the global state of I want to touch on geopolitics. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't um, think. Yeah, a lot of changes taking place in the world, James. I mean, that's got to have an sure. influence on the uh, ecosystem in Germany and the ecosystem around the world. It's like the more, more, more and more, more and more for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible, and you know, we kind of, um, yeah, I, I, my family is half Ukrainian, so my wife's oh. family is in Ukraine right now, in Kiev and Slovyansk, and. Uh, wow. and places like that. So the stuff that I hear when I call them is just uh, off the top. I mean, it's I've never um, bombs going off and those kind of things. It's just, you know, you never would in a normal world, you would never think that those kind of things could take place. It's amazing sure. how quick sure. it changes, huh? 
for sure. I mean, I have friends in all of those countries, even though some of the countries where people are fleeing, also Belarusian friends, also those who are from Moldova, and, and everyone is really just shocked at um, the huge humanitarian crisis, but more importantly, how Europe will respond on both sides and how people are suffering on both sides, even um, in, in Russia right now, and you know, people's grandmothers can't get medicine and all sorts of things. So it's just all around the humanitarian crisis. And as long as we keep people in our hearts and minds, um, I, I think that we'll all get through this, this period, this just dark period. Um, what's interesting is that now focusing a little bit on Europe and the energy security issue that it brings up, it actually relates to a lot of the work that I do. Um, so a bit of what I focus on on a personal as well as professional level is the green digital transformation. So not just the digital transformation of industry and enterprise, you know, the middle market as you know, which is helping, which is helped by startups and scale ups. But I also focus on how things can remain or become more low carbon decarbonized. Um, net zero is a term that I use um, um, a bit more um, sparingly because, you know, this whole offsetting culture is not something, you know, carbon offsetting is not something that I like to dive too deeply into for ethical reasons. But overall, I think the main goal right now is to um, help Europe become more secure on an energy um, energy level and then also ensuring that industry and everything else that draws from industry mobility and transport and um, energy in general um, that draws from that energy is able to do it sustainably as clean as possible um, and as sustainably in terms of over time um, as possible without having to rely on um, um, on certain countries i think that that's the most important thing any country can yeah, do it's kind of um, interesting that things come up over the last couple of weeks and you understand how intertwined we are at the same time how people don't really care you know on one side of it <laughs> um it's it's amazing at the other yeah. part of it, you know we're, our average temperatures on the planet earth james could go up seven degrees fahrenheit by the end of the century by 20 oh, wow. okay by 2050 we got to double the food supply right in order to feed yeah. everybody. And 26% of the pollution is methane gas, which is from livestock. So yeah. you look at it, we've got to make some serious changes in order to be able to survive. Most people yeah. don't realize that 80% of the fresh water is up in the Antarctic. And if it melts, yeah. it is, uh, nothing good's going to happen when that, you know, trapped methane gas starts to come out. We no, no. Very good on you for noting that. I think the food, agriculture, land use bit of um, and its impacts on climate are underrated. Um, unfortunately, it's not something that I am too deeply involved in. I mean, I know quite a lot of, um, of anecdotes, whether we're talking about people going meat-free, people going dairy-free, switching to milk sources that don't require, or, or you know, um, natural milk sources that don't that aren't so water-intensive. For instance, we can even get into more granular things like almond milk's sustainability due to the amount of water intensity for the production of it. Um, the, you know, eating of beef, which in the American economy is a lot more important than for say, let's say in the Far East where people eat a bit more pork or in Europe. Um, the food, agriculture and land use bit of it is important for those reasons. And then also for reasons that are related to biomass production, which is also related, which can be related to um, um, the trapping of methane gas and then perhaps the deployment of that for um for a green hydrogen source hydrogen as an electric you know an electricity um source or as a, a warming source so there are so many different directions in which we can go when we talk about food agriculture land use and how we can make it more climate neutral um and definitely something that i wish i was more involved in 
Um, my main fo focuses, I would say, or fo foci, I never know how to pronounce that. I want to say it in the Italian, foci, um, are mostly on mobility and transport, energy, and industry. Not only because those are meet with the with the industry as it exists in Germany's very densely um, industrial and enterprise focused south. The former American sector of Germany is, of course, von Württemberg and Bavaria, Bavaria being the largest state in Germany. Um, and its connection to America is inextricable, or, or it's a bond that has been formed for like nearly, I would say, um, um, 80 years. And the reason that American companies and what's happening here is relevant in terms of digital transformation, in terms of um, um, corporate innovation, is ideas that, that are sort of um, ideas that scale are sort of um, able to transfer over and be applicable in industry or be deployed into enterprises and help them reach their efficiencies or, or become more um, digitalized, which is the goal at the end of the day, to work faster, to work smarter, to automate as much as possible, and also to prepare the workforce for um, work, what work looks like in the future. Um, a lot is manual, a lot more automated, a lot more technical, um, a lot more skilled, um, digital transformation goes uh, across okay, from well, industrial a, production. Uh, yeah, but so, anyway, yeah, I can hold off. I want to I want to focus on that for a second, James, because this is sure. my heart. You know, my grandmother immigrated from Africa when she was 13 years old, right? She came over here with a dream. I work mm -hmm. a lot with black entrepreneurs all over the world. I just last week was a judge at one of the competitions in Washington. Uh -huh. Here's we need to go in. I work. We work in Africa, so my company's in uh, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, Zambia, South Africa, uh, Egypt, uh, as well as uh, another, you know, thirty-seven other countries. Here's the deal, though. How do we get out through and make this a better place by opening up the opportunities for everybody? Doesn't matter mm -hmm. what race, color, or creed, because you know, in America uh, today, in the world today. We're not using all the resources properly, right? We're not we're not engaging people to come in. No. Technology. I mean, um, you know, there aren't there aren't many entrepreneurs of color, which there should be, right? And you know, I remember my grandmother as a kid spoke Arabic to me as a kid when I was growing up, and um, I you know we she kind of hit it a little bit. She didn't like talk, you know, she mm -hmm. did with my mom and and uh, my grandfather, but. It was interesting. How do we go down and make this a better world by bringing everybody together so we can have jobs, so people can feed their families, whether they're in Germany, whether Austria, or Switzerland, or the U.S.? How do we do that? I think, well, there has been um, a, a, a just a historic, uh, I, I don't know what to call it, a misalignment or um, 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 resource distribution that has not been, I would say, equitable. And that's where we start. So with recognition that there isn't an equitable resource distribution, we can see that all over the world. Um, I, for one, have actually invested in a, a startup actually in Kenya through, that was founded by, um, that's in the mobility and logistics space, enterprise mobility and logistics, um, founded by a friend of mine. And it's, I think the, the best way that I have approached it is as best you can through the networks in which you're involved. So that happened to be a friend of mine from college who, of course, has already had access to education and studied in North America, worked in Silicon Valley, is originally from Nairobi or, you know, um, um, one of the third or fourth largest cities in Kenya now lives in Nairobi with his family. So that is sort of already connected to someone who has privilege. But at the same time, you know, it's the 
the best that you can do to where you are. I mean, doing something is better than standing still and, and not moving at all. In terms of making things more equitable, I think leveraging technology for, um, for good is important. So one of the most active startups in Africa was actually founded by a Princeton alumnus. It's called Andela. Um, co-founded, I should say. I know. It's, a very, it's a very well-known entity, and they are also helping upskill a ton of people, both on the east and western coasts of Africa. Um, to my knowledge, I mean, I don't know whether they're really active in the southern part of Africa. But these are various approaches that I feel are always um, welcome. And as long as they're done with good intention, um, there are tons of people who are trying to, quote unquote, do good or act philanthropically without the wherewithal and without the knowledge about how best to go about it. So um, if we can enable more people who have the means and the desire to help, that's the most important thing. Well, I mean, um, James, it's not about entitlement, right? It's about opportunity. Mm. You know, I spoke yeah. at the United Nations about two and a half months ago as technology is a tool for peace, right? And mm. I mean, it's like, guys, this is like keep it simple. I'm a farm boy. I, you know, I didn't get a chance to go to Princeton. Ah. I wasn't smart enough. Two is we didn't have enough money. <laughs> so, yeah. It's I all go, about access and not. Yeah, well, a part of it's also who you're, who you've been around, and what you've had um, um, access to. Access meaning what you've seen, right? Like there are so many people who come from a place where they've never seen someone who may look like myself, or, or, or someone who grew up who never saw people that look like you, and they don't have a reference point, and so they're just they're in, not incapable. They're just unable to sort of grab the bull by the horn and take an opportunity because they don't know that those opportunities exist. I mean, I always think of the world. And I guess four compartments, known, 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 unknowns, unknown, unknowns, and unknown knowns. And the most dangerous ones are unknown unknowns. What don't you know that you don't know? And yeah, how do you yeah. best approach well, things that you don't know? What, what you don't know that you don't know, but the thing is, do you have the curiosity to figure it out? Exactly. That's curiosity should always drive you no matter where one is in the quote unquote totem pole. Um, one should always be driven by curiosity for the world. I actually had a chat with a professor recently who had this very you know, straightforward view of what academia should be. And I disagreed. I said, no, I don't think it should just be the goal to publish in a top journal. The goal should be intellectual curiosity and also trying to cultivate something new and innovative and novel and new and existing fields. If a byproduct of that, which should be the natural byproduct of it, if you are actually worth your salt, is a publication in a top journal. Yeah, article. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you the know. problem is they're not, they're not rewarded like that. And they, you know, if you don't get the funding because you're not publishing the articles, you may not get the promotion and be tenured, right? So it's a- This is, this is exactly. But my, my point was, well, this leads to commodification, which I don't think is actually, it's, it's not actually true to the nature of what academia, the pursuit of what academia, what the pursuit of academia should be. And that's kind of where I see it as something that's really um, disheartening because you should be pursuing you know, new fields. And we had a whole discussion about that, but yeah, a, a bit about- um, well, I, 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 feel feel about like I feel the same way, right? But we yeah. gotta make a difference. We gotta, I mean, here's the deal. So look at it this way. You know, I, I had a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Irving Crick, but Irving Crick had a chance to study under Albert Einstein. When I met him, he was, uh, this was back in the early nineties, Irving Crick, um, uh, was a develop developed a long range weather forecasting model that look at weather as non linear. You know, it occurred over time in patterns, and 
the reason I'm saying that is because one of the things we talked about then is what was going to happen in 2020 and 2022 based on some of the uh, analysis that he did. One of the things he said is, you know, the golf stream is going to stop, Gary, one day. It's going to stop. He said, I said, well, how do you know it's going to stop, Dr. Crick? And he says, you're going to know it's going to stop because it's going to start to snow in the UK, which it has started, right? And so you look mm. and see over the last 20 years, there's been more and more snow. But he said, when that stops, the food cycle, the food chain stops. Nothing good happens from then on. You're going to start to see these super hurricanes 200 miles an hour. By the way, a hurricane at 150, uh, and it's not only 50 miles an hour faster, the level of disruption is exponentially up because mm. uh, of the winds. It's not like it's, yeah. the, okay, it's only 50 miles, so a little bit more. No. No, so, no orders of magnitude. It's sort of like the Richter scale. Yeah. And we got to go down through and change that. And I'm concerned, you know, if we don't do something better, if we don't use the technologies that are out there to make our world a better place in 250 or 300 years, we're not going to rear around. We're going to be extinct. And I'm dealing with an ultra high net worth individuals from around the world that I'm having these direct discussions. And these are people that are worth, you know, 30 billion, 20 billion, 10 billion, et cetera. But they're starting to talk about a lot. The other thing, James, as they're talking about, this is actually a company that's in Austria and Germany, is about compassion and empathy that we've mm -hmm. somehow lost sight of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And these new metaverse systems um, need to come out. They're really focused on how to be able to build things better in a, in a more compassionate way because AI mm -hmm. is pragmatic, right? And yeah. you don't have compassion built in. You know, let, I say kind of like your grandmother. Your grandmother, you can do anything. She loves you unconditionally. She hugs you and kisses for the most part, hugs you and kisses you. But at the same time, we need some of that built into these systems. And we're going to have to see that in order to survive because of the, the level of the unsupervised AI tied in with quantum computers, which are 100 million times faster than the fastest uh, supercomputer today, will take 10,000 years, take 200 seconds on a quantum at Google, right? Yeah, I have a friend who's also actually um, starting a fund right now and raising a fund in Silicon Valley focused on these sort of more mindful technologies, sort of the next iteration iteration in um, enhancing the tech stack to be a little bit less, um, I would not say rote, but um, where you allow sort of um, intelligent systems, you know, and, and AI to sort of, um, I don't want to say run amok, but sort of guide, gather and gu gather as much data and guide users to things that are more like cyclical and addictive and, you know, where it's sort of a, um, 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 a spiral, whether it's downward or upward, I can't really determine. I'm just trying to explain schematically that it's really important to think about what the next era of technology will look like. And hopefully it will look a bit more mindful where you are engaging with technologies that speak to um, the person or the that you want to be, right? A more empathetic, more thoughtful, more compassionate, more global minded, more globally minded, more humanitarian, um, more interconnected in a positive way. Um, and as an American, I would even say more democratic, more liberal in, in terms of freedoms. Um, although some might say, well, there's perfectly fine for people to advocate for autocratic nations as well. I, I don't want to touch on that, but yeah, these are, these are definitely things that um, people are focused on right now. And in Silicon Valley, because it's, it's necessary. There's a necessary overhaul in how technology is impacting people and how people interact with it, and how we can go to the next level and be a bit more mindful about it. So, um, I, definitely. 
So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Bavaria. So how can they tell, talk to my audience a little bit about that and, and, and what they can do to engage with you? What kind of programs are you working on today? Yeah, um, in general, so my work with Bavaria is more an extension of um, what I've done over the last decade, which is focused on um, uh, well, energy topics, mobility and transport, and also startups, right, and, and scale-ups. So my main mandate is to work with growth stage American companies um, and also established companies, um, mature companies even, that are mostly in high tech as well as industry. And even in the life sciences, I have a colleague that focuses exclusively on the life sciences like biotechnology, pharma, and medical devices that are looking to expand towards Europe. Germany has the largest market in Europe is a very attractive market. Um, whether companies have an existing entity in the UK or Ireland or not, the, the European continent itself is a behemoth. And the best way to approach it is likely through a market that is regulated in a way that um, mirrors what's done in other countries or based on the EU's top-down um, policy structure where the EU will be regulating um, um, based on policies uh, uh, in, in that country. So Germany has the fortune of having sort of policy structure and that's whether we're talking about AI and ethics, um, um, pending legislation or legislation on sustainable financial disclosure, relation, um, legislation on um, G, like GDPR, which is uh, data privacy regulations. A lot of those have been harmonized towards the standards and, and regulations in Germany, which is based on, of course, uh, the technology, uh, the, te the history of technological innovation in that country. So having lived there many years and coming to Silicon Valley linked still with that ecosystem, especially in the South, specifically in Munich, um, I found this opportunity and now I leave the office and my main mandate is to support American companies that are working on novel technologies. There could be, there are some that have been in um, cloud infrastructure, um, containerization, Kubernetes, we can talk about um, cybersecurity, um, uh, we can talk about computer vision um, for autonomous driving, LiDAR technologies, technologies having to do with semiconductor and chip production, um, large manufacturing, uh, um, large manufacturing um, oriented companies that are working to digitalize the factory of the future, right? Make it smarter, make mm -hmm. it more um, analytics driven. So working with all sorts of American companies. Are to you trying to help them go to Bavaria? Is it to get them to go to Bavaria? Well, the key, is, the key is, is less about just going to Bavaria. I mean, an investment decision entails a lot of things. So as the largest and the wealthiest state in Germany, when people talk about the German market and thereby the European market, you know, they're talking about a country with an economy larger than Switzerland or just about the size of it and larger than Norway and Portugal combined just that state alone. And as one of the major players at the heart of Europe, it's a very desirable location due to its high quality of life, as well as um, interconnections with many of the top global um, global companies. IBM Watson is headquartered there. Apple, Apple's largest engineering office is in Munich, of course, and they just invested earlier this year $1.3 billion in Silicon, um, Silicon research and development. Um, I've worked with companies that have raised, you know, well over $1 billion that are expanding, focused on prototyping urban air mobility machines, vehicles. So we're dealing with companies that have, 
you know, uh, exposure to satellite navigation technology, aerospace and aviation technology. You know, this is the headquarters of Airbus. You have the headquarters of the Man Trucks and Bus Group, the headquarters of Audi, the headquarters of BMW, the headquarters of Siemens, the headquarters of Allianz. You know, these are some of the world's largest companies and top top listed German companies. So this 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 market is very attractive um, and speaks for itself. And right next door, you have an, also a large market, whether you're talking about the home of SAP and, and the home of Daimler and the home of um, companies like Bosch. So for those reasons, Southern Germany is very attractive to a lot of American companies when they're expanding, whether they're in the automotive field, cybersecurity field, biotechnology, whether they're in logistics, supply chain, semiconductor, anything to do with heavy moving parts or industry or even energy, which is where we began this conversation. It's very relevant. It's the original Silicon Valley more than that. You look at where um, new solar voltaic systems were deployed and tested, onshore wind, that all happened in, in, in Bavaria. This is over 30 years ago. So um, this region is much more than what, you know, what might, one might think due to the cultural cliches of you know, pretzels and lederhosen and Oktoberfest. Beer was also invented there. But I love I, in the Munich and Paderborn. So I've been down there at the Oktoberfest ah, myself. <laughs> was yeah. Like, uh, I've been to, to Waldorf and Berlin, but Bavaria is a little bit different. It's nice. Very nice. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say was that also, so my second alma mater, the Technical University of Munich, is arguably the, the strongest tech bench in Europe. Um, roughly 20% of all German deal flow flows to that university and some of the world's largest companies, Germany's first Decacorn um, has come from that ecosystem, Salonis, or we can talk about the company Flixbus that just purchased Greyhound, now owns America's largest inter interstate bus transport company. It's owned by a Bavarian started entity um, from the Technical University of Munich, which started as a digital, um, of course, platform online um, with the two clients of a mobile phone or a a, a web interface where you could purchase tickets digitally for coach buses between cities, right? That has now scaled globally. Um, and these are just two examples of companies that I've helped uh, or supported here in the US over the last five years. Um, so that's also then the remaining part of my remit to support those growth stage companies from Bavaria specifically that are entering the US market, whether they're in energy or in mobility or transport or um, um, platforms for, um, corporate or enterprise productivity. Those are huge tools, of course, whether you're dealing with market research or um, productivity tools dealing with communication, you know, all sorts of companies are interested in the market um, because of the large amount of corporates and large um, opportunity to help digitalize industry, um, which is also where we started the conversation. So industrial digitalization is what drives a lot of these companies to go there. You know, corporates want to be digitalized and become more, um, um, more um, and let technology bleed through the company to let people feel like they're a part of the future um, and in some way, shape, or form, but also to lower costs, increase efficiency, um, and also increase cohesion. All these sorts of reasons come when you um, leverage technology for good, uh, I think, in large companies, whether it be it a factory or an office. No, that's great. So um, we're coming up to the top of the show. I have viewers from all over the world and number a lot of viewers from germany a lot of viewers from uh, the u.s how do they get a hold of you james what's the best way if they they want to come to the u.s or they want to go to germany it sounds like you're the person to go to how do they get a hold of you and your team well, yeah. yeah well i'm always available for a chat i love to also um um 
put my email out there. So it's jmr.bavaria.org, B-A-V-A-R-I-A.org. Hope I spelled that correctly. Um, and my name is James. So it's the first initial and the last name at Bavaria.org. Just the best way and most direct way to get in touch with me. I'm always willing to chat whether there are entrepreneurs. We connect a lot with VCs, um, of course, working with them in their portfolio companies as they roadmap their European market entry. Um, just very briefly, how I uh, uh, describe my approach is I break it into three large columns, just on a very high level. Um, you know, I focus on the product, I focus on operations, and I focus on finance. You need to be able to finance an expansion if that's the goal. And then you need to think of what are the implications for product and also operations you know, on the ground. What does it look like? What are the nuts and bolts that need to be taken care of from uh, tax and accounting, legal, regulatory standpoint? And those things also bleed into product, of course, because things might need to be changed or altered or improved. Um, or you know, some companies, I think, if you're launching in Europe, having your AWS onshore is necessary, for instance. If, it, you know, all those sort of intricacies need to be thought through and many companies are dealing in the quadrant of unknown unknowns. And that's kind of why I'm here to help them, right? I'm here to help them master those unknown unknowns. Um, and also, I guess, some of those known unknowns um, so that they can go on their way and uh, grow successfully and scale also in Europe. So please reach out if that's of interest to you. Gary, I really want to thank you for having me and yeah. for the questions. I'm here for them. Yeah, no, James, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate it. It's very kind of you. To my audience out there, thanks you for, for joining my show one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech, and I'm their host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned for another exciting edition next Tuesday, and uh, have a great weekend. Stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. I'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. Nice to see you. Bye-bye. We'll chat soon. Bye-bye.